and I love the prophetic. It's just, I absolutely love it. I mean, and I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly, and I still love it. I just love it. It's just so cool. I love prophetic encounters. I love dreams. I love visions. I love trances. I love seeing weird. I love, I just love all of it. Like literally, I love, if it's in the Bible, I just want it. Like if, why can't we have it? Like it's so awesome, right? I love it. I love all that stuff. I, you know, I often think Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter one, I mean, he must have freaked out seeing what he saw, you know, like a wheel within a wheel and eyes all over and you know, the, the seraphim and the cherubim and the, I mean, it, I mean, how do you theologically <laughs> get that thing right? That's a bit hard, right? I love it. And it does get messy at times, but man, it, it has changed my life over again. I cannot tell you, you know, Maurice is also super prophetic. She's just extremely humble, but I mean like, you know, dreams that have shaped our lives and and, and like literally impartations out of dreams, you know, like I would dream and in the dream, God would start imparting stuff. So I'm in a dream, but in my bed, I'm starting to shake like you would in a prayer line, you know, just like it's wild sometimes it's, it's all over the show and I love it. I just love all of it, you know, and, and I'm sharing it because I, I want to stir your heart. Like there is such a deep level of the prophetic available to us and things that, you know, we just scratched the surface on. It's awesome. The, I mean, the prophetic, you know, uh, the, the Italian prophet in the Bible, Maliachi, you know, so he kind of ends. <laughs> he, he didn't know he's Italian, obviously. So he, uh, <laughs> so he ends you know, he ends his prophetic discourse, basically, you know, Malachi chapter four. And before that, 400 years of silence. Whew, after, after that, I mean, that's rough, right? No, really. Imagine church like just 400 years of nothing. Just, and, uh, but he, end, I mean, this is so cool about the prophetic. Like he ends the, the chapter, he says that, and the spirit of Elijah will be poured out. Say yay. That's pretty powerful stuff right there, right? And when I think Elijah, I think miracles, signs, wonders, you know, prophetic words on the spot. This is going to happen and then it happens. You know, it's not going to rain for three and a half years. doesn't rain. You know, that kind of prophetic. That's the, personally, that's the kind of prophetic that I love. I love prophetic combined with power. It's like the best because nothing makes a statement like the Lord says and then it manifests. Right? That is just, whew, that is good stuff right there. That gets the attention, right? And he says, and the spirit of Elijah will be poured out. Right, and, and we know Jesus re references John the Baptist at some point um, when, he, when he connects those lines. But, but what does the spirit of Elijah do in that context? He turns the hearts of the fathers to the sons, and the sons to the fathers, and the mothers to the daughters, and the daughters to the mothers. Isn't it amazing that the prophetic actually creates family? It's powerful, isn't it? It's like we always just see the flashy stuff and we, we see that side of it, but there's another side of the prophetic where it actually brings family together. It restores family, you know? Right now in the times we're in, I think one of the strongest prophetic statements we can make is to have healthy marriages, actually, to be quite honest with you. I think one of the healthy families is one of the strongest. Yes. Ooh, I, the pastor's wives are going, oh man, here we go, come on. I can feel it. I can feel it, right? Just kidding, but it's true. The onslaught on family is enormous. 
And to present healthy families to the Lord is one of the greatest things, one of the greatest testimonies we can produce in this season. I'm serious. Like that lady there, my wife. I mean, without her, I'm done. I'm, I'm like, and I'm not even kidding. Like I've learned from her. She, you know, what I didn't tell you last night is when I have my breakdowns and I'm slow, she's the one that counsels me through them. So, you know, she's the one that helps me to understand the emotion, right? But not just that, it's just the unity, the unity, the children, the whole thing, and, and very young, but just the joy of, of having that at this season. And we need to keep on fighting because it can change in a heartbeat. You know? But being prophetic also represents, it's an expression of who Christ is. Okay? Now that was for free. Let's get to what we're going to talk about here. All right. <laughs> yeah, the prophetic is a, almost an endless... I want to put it like, but in a good, a good way. You know, there's just so many layers of it. We, like, when I got born again, the first thing I got introduced to was the prophetic. Like, we started prophetic schools. We did prophetic schools. I mean, we, we still do it. I love it. I just absolutely love it because there's just so much. And the point is, it's about a relationship. Not hearing God's voice, it's a dead thing. You know what I mean? It's, it's just dead religion then, to be quite honest with you. And I'm not, talk, I'm not talking about your prophesying over nations. I just mean you can actually hear God speak to you. That's just so powerful. It just makes it alive because it's not a one-way relationship. There's communication, right? Whether it's out of Scripture, all the different ways. So, but one of my favorite verses, and I thought Andre is going to take it from me this morning, but he just stopped short. So Revelation 19, verse 10. <laughs> Revelation 19, verse 10. One of my favorite verses on the prophetic. It says, uh, John, John the Revelator, uh, you know, writing, and he says, Then I fell down at his feet. It's an angel, by the way. I fell down at his feet to worship him, but he stopped me and said to me, you must not do that. I just love that our angels understand their position. And I really mean it. We're so afraid of weird experiences and stuff, but if, if it's the kingdom of light, listen, they know who's the one to honor. And the, the angel is just like, please don't do that. That's being silly now. Or it was an elder. I don't know. I'm a fellow servant. No, it was an angel with you. And your brothers and sisters. Um, so don't do that. And then he goes on, the last part of the verse, he says, For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. That's the, that's the key in the prophetic, right there. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What's the point? It's not going to contradict. Prophecy is not going to contradict the life, the message, the heartbeat of Jesus Christ. Can never do that. That's your safeguard on the prophetic right there. But what I also want you to see is that word there called spirit of prophecy. Ooh, that excites me. The spirit of prophecy. And to be honest with you, that's what I'm after. I want the spirit of prophecy. I love the gift, but I want the spirit of prophecy to come upon me. Because that's a different kind of authority that comes with that. It's the spirit of prophecy that rests upon us. That, that's different. It's like you get a gift of wisdom, 1 Corinthians 12, but then you get the spirit of wisdom, Isaiah 2, right? You get the gift of a word of knowledge, which is, which is awesome, but in Isaiah 2, you get the spirit of knowledge, right? So I want to connect to that spirit of prophecy, which is the testimony of Jesus, by the way. It's an expression of the Holy Spirit. But something about that just personally draws my attention. We're not going to get into it, but I want you to see that. The point is that prophecy to me personally, this is my view of it, prophecy has got different elements to it, right? 
Because the testimony of Jesus is, is something that I speak. It's utterance, yeah? So it's like speaking a prophetic word. But I think one of the greatest prophetic testimonies that we can carry in our life is actually becoming a prophetic word. Okay? Does that make sense? John 1, 14, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So suddenly the heartbeat of the Father... The prophetic utterance of the Father became a man in the form of Jesus, and he dwelt, tabernacled among us, and all could see. You see, that's, that's something else. To, you know, talk is cheap, but, you know, money is, buys the whiskey, which we're not doing. But you, know what I mean. <laughs> you know, so there's something about a person actually embodying the testimony of Jesus, which is also the spirit of prophecy. Okay? That's why there's different prophetic expressions. You know, who knows we're not the same? Have you noticed? Yeah, we're not the same. So my prophetic and your prophetic is going to look a little bit different, but it's going to carry the testimony of Jesus and all that it does. That's super important, right? It must always point back to Jesus. One of the greatest prophets, Jesus said so himself, although to me it still doesn't make sense, but it does now, is John the Baptist. Jesus is the greatest prophet of all, and I mean, then you think of Isaiah 66, awesome chapters, right? And, and you think of Ezekiel, and you think of Jeremiah, and then the Italian prophet, Maliachi, with four chapters, which is small, small, right? But you all think, wow, that was pretty impressive. And then Jesus goes, no, 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 I want to show you the greatest one of all. It's this guy right here, John the Baptist. John the Baptist had a one-liner prophetic word. You know what it was? Behold, the Lamb of God, it takes away the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb of God. Everything about John pointed towards Jesus. And Jesus goes, that's the greatest of all the prophets. That one right there. So it's about the fact that he points to Jesus, but it's also the fact that what he prophesied actually happened in his day. So it's when prophecy and time comes together, that's called manifestation. Okay, so it's when prophecy and manifestation comes together and Jesus looks at that and he says, now that's powerful right there. Right? This guy prepared a way. So different expressions of prophecy, but it's all speaking about Jesus. And I want to quickly jump. We're going to have to move fast, so I'm going to do my best to get through this. But it's not my idea, so this is just all. It's actually James Gold. There you go. Uh, he wrote a book as well, and he, and he wrote about these. So this is not my ideas, but I just loved it because it, it created like a, for me when I saw it, it's like, ah, oh, now I make sense, or now that one makes sense, or oh, I get it, you know. He spoke about 12 different prophetic mantles. Okay, so I just want you to get ready. We're going to have a bit of a moment right now, right? Okay, are you guys ready? Put on the slide, please. Okay, now I want you to know this does not happen ever where I preach. So you are having a moment with me. We're having a slide right now, all right? Are you excited? Man, this is going to be good. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> right, so he writes about these 12 different expressions or mantles, whatever you want to call it, of the prophetic, okay? And I want you to look at this, and I'm praying that it's going to stir hunger in your heart. It's about a prophetic gifting, but it's also about being a prophetic message, right? So I want you to look at this real, real quick, and we're going to have to go fast, so just hold on, all right? The first one is dreamers and visionaries. Now, um, these individuals are usually seer prophets. You know, you get kind of different kinds of prophets, and I don't care if you're a seer or a feeler or a year, it doesn't really matter, as long as you prophesy, it doesn't matter. But these guys are seer prophets, you know, so they're those annoying people 
that's like, I don't know, it's like, you know, when you see them, yeah, I know that angel came and that one came and I was in that place in heaven and then this happened and that happened. And did you, didn't you not see the angel standing behind you? You know, those guys. And you're like, no, I didn't. You know, no. But thank you that you're here. So you can point it out to me. Just stay humble, please. Right? <laughs> so you have these dreamers and visionaries, right? And it's almost like God opens the realm. It's just he, he lifted the veil over their eyes. It's not their fault. It's not your fault either. So just celebrate them. Sometimes very weird. But anyway. But God lifted that veil off of their eyes. And they can see stuff. It's just they see into the realm of the spirit. They usually move in incredible dreams and visions, right? It's like a Daniel. Daniel's got that grace on his life, you know. And so Zechariah was one as well. I mean, if you read the book of Zechariah, oh my gosh, the stuff that he saw was pretty out there, right? It's like very visual, very intense, everything. Angels, this one coming, that one going. I mean, he's, you know, he's these men in white linen who nobody knows who they are and, you know, all of this stuff. So he's just like seeing stuff. And I think his brain is a little bit fried after that. You know, it must, you know, what I really mean, you're like, if you see on that level, it's kind of hard to translate that into language because you see stuff in heaven that literally doesn't exist on the earth. So you need to find a way to now make this, you know, palatable on the earth. And that's where it gets a little bit hard sometimes for some of these guys. But that's an incredible grace. Um, in our day, I'm always afraid to use examples because some people get offended because he doesn't like this guy or that guy, you know. So I'm sorry if you don't like him. But, um, um, yeah, a guy like John Paul Jackson was one of those, for instance. Seer prophet. Like, I mean, dreams and visions. Oh, my gosh, just had an ability to understand dreams and visions. Like some of the best stuff that you can find on dreams and visions was written by this guy done by this guy. He just has an ability to understand dreams, give the interpretation, use it to evangelize people, actually. But also, it's like a big picture that they see. So they see stuff in the spirit realm over regions, over cities. And with that, they bring understanding to the body of Christ. Do you understand? It's like it, it, it's there to give understanding to the body of Christ of what is going on in the spirit realm, and you're not alone. I have this crazy Russian friend, and he's a seer. And when he prophesies, like I prophesy, you know, kind of on the, and he's always like, yeah, this is behind you and you've got this mantle and that crown and this thing and God gives you this sword and this weapon. And when he's done with you, you kind of have this picture of, oh, I actually look different than the spirit than I do in the natural. And that's kind of what it's about. All right. So dreamers and visionaries. Does that make sense? Okay. Second one is prophets who proclaim God's corporate purpose. Uh, these are guys that, that also they have a big picture anointing. You understand? It's like they, they see big and they see over the corporate body of Christ and they have the ability to release um, um, those words. These guys rarely prophesy to individuals. It's kind of, I, I know some of them. Like they, they you, you know, it's kind of funny. I have one of them, like literally when he prophesies one-on-one -on -one to you, it's actually kind of like, yeah, you, you don't do that. You know, it's like, but, oh my gosh, let him prophesy over the church. Let him prophesy over the city or over the nation. And you go, whoa, okay, that is like on a different level, right? Just a different prophetic grace, a different prophetic grace. And um, they've got this ability just to release, to release that. Um, I need my notes. Yeah. Um, voices. To, one of the guys that I know today, uh, you know, he wrote incredible books. 
He wrote books in the 80s and some of that stuff is coming into fulfillment now, like prophetic visions that he had. And I remember his story personally. He told it one time at a service we were at. Uh, he's a guy from America and, and he was kind of like looking to guys as doing the individual thing. And he was going, you know, why can't I do this? And the Lord said to him, do you want to see the tree or do you want to see the forest? And that's, that's the summary basically of it. And it's not something that you choose. It's not like I shall now be the corporate prophet. I'm, I'm above personal prophecy. I don't like that. You understand? I don't, that's pride. But it's something that God puts on a person. They just see almost the bigger picture over families in the Lord. And it's a great, great gift. It gives direction to the body of Christ in general, which is awesome. Sometimes we just go, what in the world is happening? And you listen to some of them, you just don't know it. But they, they speak into the general body and it gives direction, right? So that's, dream, yeah, that's your corporate prophets, you know. Then there's prophets who proclaim God's heart's standards for his people. Now, these guys, um, they're not always fun to be around. <laughs> it's like Jeremiah. Have you read Jeremiah? Uh, no, seriously. How many of you have read Jeremiah recently? Okay, it is, it is it's like painful. Oh, my gosh. Can we like, you know, it is painful to listen to this because it's just like what the heck is wrong with the whole church and the whole world the whole time, right? What is he doing? He's addressing the social issues, the moral standard in the body, and he's going, guys, you're out of line. And the Lord literally said to him, buddy, you're going to be very unpopular, but you just keep telling you, you just keep telling people what I tell you to do, right? It, it's a tough call. Another one that used to be like that was David Wilkerson, right? I don't know if you remember him, but like listening to David Wilkerson was not always pleasant. It's like, please, Lord, can we just relax? Give me the good news, prophets. Where are those oaks? You know, it's just telling me I'm awesome because that guy, when you're done, you're just like, oh, my, you know, Lord, just help, help, right? But what they do is they raise the moral standard and they remind us of God's standard in the body. So important, right? You're not a critic, okay? Because some people are just critical and judgmental. That's not what I'm talking about. This, you have to be pretty mature and in connection with God's heart to be called into this thing. And this is not a popular calling. And some people use their brokenness and their judgmentalism. I don't know if that's a word. Is that a word? Is that a word? That's a good word. Judgmentalism. They use that to say, yeah, but you're wrong. I'm a black and white person. I'm a justice person. Therefore, I can say whatever I want. If that's your attitude, sorry, you've just missed the whole thing. Then just be quiet and go and sit down a little bit and sort out your heart. We love you, but get it sorted, right? Before you step up and start moving into that. There must be the love for the body. There's love for the body when those guys speak, even though it's not pleasant, but you feel God's love in that moment, even though you feel convicted, right? Super important, right? So don't, don't jump on this thing and just, this is me kind of a thing, you know? But it calls people back to holiness, which, by the way, is pretty important right now. Very important. <laughs> calls people back to holiness. The next one is prophets who speak forth the administrative strategy of God. Strategy with a political slant. So th these are our prophets, that, and that's kind of what we prophesied this morning over our one friend up there. It's, it's, it's a different kind of an anointing. It's, it's, a, it's almost a political it's a, it's anointing that comes on these guys. Moses was one, right? There's a, like a, it's a prophetic age, but he's, he's almost a political state leader, and he's you know, bringing a nation into freedom, which is massive. It's massive. You know, Joseph was the same. How prophetic was Joseph? Oh, my goodness. 
you know. And he's, the, the prophetic edge on his life is what promoted him to where he was. And he could speak into the destiny of a nation and he could influence the destiny of a nation from that position of being number two, but he, but he had the ear of the king, the Pharaoh, right? So this is a massive anointing in our day, if you think about it, is, is imagine God can raise you up to stand next to Ramaphosa, you know? Imagine God can raise you up to stand next to the premier and you have this prophetic insight and you're not corruptible, but you speak the word of the Lord into that and you, you unlock things in, in the governmental realm. Wouldn't that be something? Like we need guys like that. We need guys like that. Like, I, you know, we have guys like Kenneth Mishu and so on, but one of the best examples for me, whether you like, whatever, if you like it or not, don't really care now. But Mike Pence was actually one of those, by the way, in America. Mike Pence is a, he's a Bible teacher in seminary. And the guys that know him says he is crazy prophetic, crazy prophetic. So he would sit there like kind of in the background, but, but he was actually the voice of reason and a lot of things that went on. Like, like it or not, that's not the point. I'm just saying there's a really good example of that, right? Um, the next one is prophetic worship leaders. Oh, man, these, ah, I love them. Oh, my goodness. Love prophetic worship leaders, you know, and there's many examples. I don't know. One of my favorites when I just got born again was Jason Upton. Who liked Jason Upton? Oh, my goodness. Jason got me crying and weeping and just sobbing because he would just go and sit with no preparation. He would just start singing the Lord's heart, you know. We have a friend like that as well, uh, Mervis, and he would just also, he would just come in and he would just worship and then he would start, again, so jealous, then he would start singing prophetic words and you have your own song. Like some of our children, Emma has a song that he sang for her. Like, and we still listen to it. It's like this awesome prophetic song over Emma's life. Isn't it awesome? It's so cool. It's just such a powerful tool. Music is so powerful. I want to say something. Many of the secular musicians that's got a massive edge on their lives are prophets. They're prophets. They're just inspired by the wrong thing. But they've got an edge on their music, and, and you know exactly, I mean, you know them. Like, they stand out from all the other artists. There's something on their lives. It's usually pretty horrible now because they're absolutely lost. But they've got an edge on them, and those are usually your prophetic worshipers that just went to the other side. Because the gifts are irrevocable, right? The, the, the receiver is there, but the influence is wrong. Yeah? Are you awake? I know it's hard, but are you in the room? All right. So, uh, uh, Jason Upton is one. Rick Pino is one. Love Rick Pino stuff. Oh, my gosh. I don't know if you know Rick Pino. He's pretty wild, but, man, it's really good. Just worshiping out of the spirit, new songs, just releasing stuff uh, into it, writing heaven songs, just producing these songs. Because it's crazy, but in Revelation, it actually says, the book of Revelation, it says that they sing the song of Moses in heaven. The song that they sang in Exodus chapter 15, they're singing it in heaven. Isn't that wild? We can write songs that heaven sings, and we can get songs from heaven that we can start singing on the earth. Wouldn't that be something if heaven's songs infiltrate the church just more and more, and we release that sound of heaven, and the glory is just mm, stuck to it, drawn to it? That'll be powerful, wouldn't it? That'll be awesome. So prophetic worship leaders, right? Prophetic intercessors. Ooh, this is the season for these guys, right? Prophetic intercessors. So they've got this incredible prophetic edge on their life, right? But they use it in the place of intercession. All of us are called to intercession, by the way, but they have just an incredible grace to prophetically understand what the Lord is doing and then pray into that to produce massive breakthrough and results, you know? Um, 
And uh, Daniel is obviously one of those. Daniel was one of those, right? If you look at Daniel chapter 9 and 10, oh my gosh, that's where he prays. And finally, after 21 days of fasting, the angel comes to him, remember? And he says, listen, Daniel, the minute you started praying, the Father released me out of heaven. But I got stuck in this little fight in between the wherever, second heaven, whatever you want to think, doesn't really matter. But I got stuck in this fight with the prince of Persia. I got held up. And, but you kept on praying. Thank you very much because you were fasting for 21 days, right? And then after a while, the father released Michael, the prince. And he came to help me to overcome the prince of the air, the prince of Persia, the principality. And then on the 21st day, the original angel arrives. Whew. No, no, you need to get this. So Daniel's prophetic intercession activated the angelic realm. 100%. It didn't just activate it, it pulled it straight through to the earth, from heaven into the realm of the earth. It brought the angelic through the realm of, you know, principalities and powers. It pulled it straight through that, his prophetic intercession, then he actually moved to heaven. That is, that's prophetic intercession. It's like you pull on heaven and you pull it until that angel rocks up and says, listen, the first day you prayed, I came, but I got a little bit held up. Thank you for not stopping. Isn't that awesome, that partnership? That's prophetic intercession. Man, it shifts things, it changes atmosphere, it changes nations. Um, like Chuck Pierce is a prophetic intercessor. Cindy Jacobs is a prophetic intercessor. Whether you like them or not, this is what they do. They, they hear from the Lord and they just pray and release stuff, right? We've got to start honoring the body, by the way. I'm sorry if we don't like your, their style. Whatever, man, if they're anointed, they love Jesus, let's just honor the people, my goodness, right? They're doing something for Jesus. We all made mistakes. We all messed up. We, we shouldn't be like that, right? Yeah? I'm going to say something radical. Ravi Zacharias. I know he messed up. It hurt me. Oh, my goodness. But you cannot discount his material based on that. You hear me? That's crazy to say that everything he did now is bad. That just it doesn't even make sense. Then we should throw out David, Moses, Saul, you know, Paul, the whole bunch, just chuck all of them out and see what we have left. I mean, that's not the way it works, guys. Is it sad? Absolutely. But we, we have to honor whoever is honored due, all right? I feel better. <laughs> Sorry, Andre. Andre's email is andre at... The eighth one, ooh, this is one of my favorites, is spirit bearers. Oh, my goodness. I like these guys, right? They are not welcome in every company of people because they're a little out there, right? They, they don't fit into any box. And the best description that they give here is basically they are those guys that stand in a room and they go, where is the wind coming from? Oh, we're at church, we're going this way. And everybody's like, well, we thought we're going that way. We're like, no, no, the spirit's moving this way. So we're just going to tag along, right? And then you get this direction where you go, no, no, we're doing this. Okay, no, we're doing this today. No, prophetic action, this, that. They drive you nuts. But boy, oh boy, can they bring the presence. Can they bring the presence, right? Usually these oaks create a little bit of chaos, right? But it's good chaos. It's, we all, listen, we all need a bit of chaos every now and again just to get us out of our control issues, right? The, I mean, I've had meetings where, where we sat in places and, and then there will be one of these guys. And oh my goodness, it's weird. 
One guy we're sitting, I'm young in the Lord, so I'm invited to this prophetic evening. I'm so excited. I'm just so hungry. I'm like, oh, prophetic, I'm going. And it's in a TV room, Saturday night, you know, house church vibe thing. And I'm just like, oh, this is going to be beautiful. And these people sit there and they're older, very experienced, they're worshiping. And the next minute, and I'm thinking, wow, this is awesome. And one of the guys, he just goes, this is horrible. He just goes, this is terrible. I'm like, I thought it's awesome. He's like, oh, this, is, this is dry. There is nothing. Can you, and he's like, can you guys feel it? There's nothing going on in this place. And I'm like, oh, I thought it was pretty cool. I'm just, you know, I'm a new guy. I'm just like, yeah, no, it's bad. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I barely got saved, you know, a year ago. I don't know what to say. And he's like, I have an idea. I'm like, okay. You know, I'm, I'm waiting for like real holy something here. He's like, I think what we need to do, this is what he said, literally is what he said, a bunch of people, 50 year olds and younger, like, I mean, very much, you know, older people. And he goes, I, I have a plan. And I go, yeah. He's like, we are going to roll each other on the floor. <laughs> and I'm going, that's all. And in my heart, I'm thinking, that's a horrible idea. That doesn't even make sense. Why would anybody do that? And the next minute, this, and they're all like, oh, yeah, that sounds great. I'm like, what's wrong with you people? Right? And the next minute, they put someone on the floor and then there's two guys standing next to them. They roll them. <laughs> and I'm going, this does not make any sense at all. But, and, and then they look at me and be like, do you want to go? I'm like, I don't want to go. But anyway, so now you can't not go because everybody's going, you know, fear of man. I, anyway, and they put me down and they roll. And the next minute, the Spirit of God breaks out in that place. It was crazy. Like the anointing went from, then I realized it was terrible. It just went like through the roof. And suddenly I'm on the floor for the first time in my life. I'm going into visions and encounters with the Lord. I've never had that before because we started rolling on the floor. Now, <laughs> so guess what we're doing after this session? <laughs> you laugh. I've done it in many churches. It's been wild every time. But we're not going to do it today. But <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so they are out there right? They are out there. But what they do is it's almost like they break a religious spirit in you and they let you open up, right? And I don't think every single meeting should run on this juice necessarily, but, but there's room for it. There's room for it. You know, we need that sometimes. Sometimes we just need to be childlike. We need to play a little bit in the presence of the Lord. It's important to play in the presence because you learn, right? And I know people think, oh, no, no. I, and I don't mean it, obviously, in holiness, respect, honor, but you need to play a little bit with stuff and see what works and what happens if I do this. And I mean, like, pray. If I pray this way, what happens? If I do this, what does the Lord do? Does he respond? Why do I see stuff in Scripture? You understand? We grow, right? We, we I mean, anyway, I'm not going to tell all my stories because they're not. <laughs> but we played a lot in the beginning. Maybe wasn't always good, but we learned so much and we loved the Lord and we loved the people and we, and we, we tried stuff and it worked, you know? Like my one friend, i just tell you. So my one, anyway. So my one friend, he's, uh, forgive me. So he's like, so we're doing deliverance on people and he goes, but it says the word is like a sword. I'm like, yeah, 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 it does. It's like, what if we take the sword and we just go after, and you know, we just really go after the demon. Like we have it in our hands. We just go after, we just get this demon out of this person. I'm like, I don't know. But I mean, it does say it's a sword. I hear what you're saying. I'm sorry, Andre. And, he, <laughs> and the next minute we go, 
okay, let's try. I mean, because we want to get this person free, man. Let's just try it. And he goes, in the name of Jesus. And he takes his thing and he just kind of stabs like that. And that demon freaks out. And it's out of the person. I'm like, oh, it is a sword. Did you We're both like, oh my, this is, oh, this is awesome. We got a key here, right? Anyway, so sometimes you just need to experiment a little bit under parental guidance and all of those things. It's really good. Anyway, just this case. Oh man, I'm getting on to get in trouble with this thing. Their main purpose, spirit bearers, is basically to get up and say, Holy Spirit, come. And he comes. Right? It's, it's an expression of the spirit and the bride. It's an expression of us going, Holy Spirit, come. And when they do, he comes. And when he does, anything's possible. Miracles, signs, wonders, deliverance, just crazy stuff can happen, right? And so I, I like those guys. Prophetic counselors, oh my gosh, this is important, right? I love counseling. I have respect for counseling. Um, I just don't like it when we counsel people's demons. I don't think that's great, right? You're not going to get anywhere. You're going to get tired. But prophetic counselors has got the eagle eyes and it can see actually behind the veil of what's actually going on. Another one of my friends, literally, he, he does it the whole time, man. He's, he's got an incredible gift. So he would invite you if you want counseling. He says to you, come. But he, he doesn't want to hear what's your problem. He's like, please don't tell me. Is that a Russian guy? He's funny. Like, I don't want to hear. I'm like, but I'm here for counseling. Like, I don't want to hear it. He's like, there's the chair. Sit down. I'm like, okay. And then you sit down, and then he starts telling you what's wrong. <laughs> Out of prophetic revelation. Then he goes, this is the issue, that's the issue, there's where you need deliverance, this happened, that happened, boom, boom, boom. And he is spot on, man. And something happens because it's, it's like the Lord reveals where we sometimes want to hide or sugarcoat things a little bit. This is just out in the open, right? And that's actually how we stand before the Lord, isn't it? And he just goes, I need you to deal with this, 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 and this. And you go, oh, okay. So prophetic counseling is like massively important, really important, right? Prophetic equippers. Now, this is also, I love this as well. It's, it's a... It's a um, it's a teaching and prophetic anointing combined, right? It's when teaching and the prophecy come together. It actually says, I think it's Acts chapter 13. It has this thing. It says the teachers came together and Achabes, or what is his name, the prophet, they came together and then suddenly the, the, the apostolic is released. Okay, if you look at, I think it's Acts chapter 13. If you read that whole story, I touched on it last night. And what these guys do is they have this ability to launch people they equip them for the work of service. It's like a grace on their lives to equip the body. It's just a prophetic thing. And they understand what giftings is necessary in what season. And they know how to teach that thing to unlock it in people so that they start running with it. So it's, it's an equipping grace on people's lives. Okay? Very important. Um, uh, uh, again, whether you like him or not, but Bill Johnson definitely definitely that grace on his life. He's apostolic, but he's got this prophetic equipping grace on his life. And he knew in a season, God downloaded this thing and they empowered the body to move in miracle signs and wonders, which we didn't do before. John Wimber was similar. Randy Clark, similar, right? There's a grace on them to ignite the body and equip them to, to get them moving. All right. Are you guys hot? I feel like you're not listening to me. I really don't enjoy it. No, <laughs> <laughs> We're almost there. Just tell them, bite fast. Prophetic writers, right? Love that, right? And I mean, um, 
Uh, Gene Edwards is actually, Maurice loves him. Gene Edwards is one of the names there. Like, I don't know if you've ever read the, the book, the day, I, the day I Was Crucified, and the other one is Divine Romance. Oh, my goodness. It's, it's, it's prophetic writing, and he takes stories out of Scripture, and he, and he starts writing about that. He colors it in through the prophetic experience and understanding, and it brings stories to life in a way that we've never seen. C.S. Lewis, I would also think, see, I would put him in that list as well. There was an edge on him, even though he was this teacher, but like, you know, that, what's that, um, mere, uh, uh, mere Christianity, which is like a story, you know, as well, and, and with Wormwood and that, that whole thing there. And it's just amazing. If you think of Narnia, if you think of all of the things that they did, it's just an edge on it where you actually preach the gospel, but it's like this whole different element that comes to it. Uh, Rick Joyner, Final Quest. Oh, my goodness. I mean, that is just brilliant. Brilliant. Like, I personally think it should be Revelation chapter 23. But anyway, it's, if you haven't read it, you should. It is phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Like, it feels to be one of those books every believer should have in their cupboard, my opinion. It's just so good because it's a prophetic vision and this prophetic writing, and it just speaks into your spirit, right? It's important. I personally think we need this with children's stories a lot. Prophetic writers that's going to write those children's stories that's going to ignite something out of in the children at a young age. And then the last one is prophetic evangelists, okay? So these guys are on the streets. They're taking prophecy outside of the church walls. And they are, you know, they're the fish eagles, right? <laughs> fish eagles. So they've got the eyes to see, but they are good at catching fish as well. So it's that marriage that comes together. Todd White is an example. Like him or not, Todd White is an example. He's on the streets, hearing from God this way, that way, let's do it. Like I have other friends as well. I mean, this is what they do. They're just on the streets, Lord, where shall we go? Right, right, left, forward, backwards, boom, and we go. And souls come in and miracles happens on the street. It's phenomenal. Um, I love when the prophetic goes to the streets. Right, I love it because it unlocks the destiny of people, unbelievers. It unlocks them. It just does something. And then when they go, how did, you know, one of my favorite lines is, how did you know that? Who told you? Did, did somebody, did my wife phone, you know, that kind of, and I'm like, no, no, dude, that was Jesus. Right, I love it. Or when you prophesy over someone on the street and the tears just, just break because they had an encounter with Jesus in that moment. All right? Stand up because I can see you guys are hot. All right? Now, I want to add that on each one of these 12, there is highlights and there's dangers. Right? On each one of these 12, you can probably do a teaching on each one of these mantles, and we can fill a session with it, right? So what I did now is this machine gun. We just went for it, right? And my advice would be if one of this pulled on your heart is that you guys would, would go and investigate a little bit deeper. Look in Scripture. Look at the examples, you know. Heidi Baker and Mother Teresa are also prophetic because they also spoke to the biblical standard in the church saying, hey, what, about, what are you going to do about the orphans and the widows? Doesn't Heidi Baker confront you when it comes to orphans and widows? Yeah. She's prophesying. Her whole life is prophesying. Her whole life is prophesying to you, hey, what about the orphans and the widows? It's important. Mother Teresa did the same. She prophesied to the church, hey, guys, what, what are we going to do with these oaks? Don't forget about them, you know. So all of these people are having a message that they carry. And sometimes it's elements of God. There's another guy, 
I love him. He's a friend of mine. He lives in Pumalanga. He's also part of Heidi Baker's ministry. The happiest person in the world. Like, and it freaks you out how happy he is. It, it literally drives you nuts. Like, he's just, he, 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 Literally, that's literally, that's how it is around him. Henky, he, 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 I mean, so when you're around this guy, it's hard not to get happy, right? It's like his motto in life is if, if it's not full of joy, it cannot be the Lord. So just leave it, right? And he's been shot, he's been in prison, he's been persecuted, he's been through war. So it's not like his life is just like comfortable. This guy's paid a price and he's just like, <laughs> Ooh, Henke, it was wonderful. <laughs> Ooh, Henke, right? Oh, he's so funny. We need a bit of him. That's prophetic of who Jesus is as well. You understand? That carries something, man. It's valuable. It's valuable. It, it, it returns people to the joy of loving Jesus. Like he said, if it's not out of love for Jesus and it's not fun, that's the two commandments. Then it's not right. Must be fun. If I lost my joy, then stop doing it. You know, that's literally his approach to it. So he just keeps his joy. He's prophesying to the bride. That guy prophesies. Every now and again, when I feel I get too heavy, I go and listen to a <laughs> teaching, right? And literally, sometimes he just stands there and just let it happen. You know, they flew him in to a very famous church in America. Paid lots of money. He got there. He left for three hours. He just <laughs> didn't teach. That was it. That was it. That was the teaching for three hours. Everybody's like, what in the world? And joy broke out in that church. It was crazy. And he's like, <laughs> right? He's prophesying. It's a prophetic mantle. It's a grace on his life. <laughs> oh, it's so hot. Maybe we should just <laughs> just do a little bit of that. All right? Okay. 